Our guest today is a part of the U.S. national team for more than five years. During his career, he has played in plenty of countries, and in parallel, he is active in the social media, having his own YouTube channel, where he shares his huge experience about volleyball. In the podcast, you are going to find out what are the specifics of the U.S. college system, where is the place of volleyball among the most popular American sports, how we don't need you can be claimed as a legal cause for terminating a contract, and how, according to the internet, you have played in the Bahamas, but in reality, you actually haven't. Ladies and gentlemen, Dustin Watton. Dustin, thank you again for accepting the invitation to be the guest in our podcast, First Tempo. And uh, first of all, I would like to ask you the following. You're an American and we all know that American college system is way different to the European one. What are, what are the main discrepancies between both systems and where are they in terms of the methodic of working? Uh, I don't know, to be honest. I don't know. I've never been in the European college system. But for the American college system, you will spend four or five years. Um, more of a t it's less of a team, more of a family. Um, and a lot of, for a lot of players, at first, you are not physical enough to play. Um, there are some exceptions. But usually you, you take your time and you learn and you sit on the bench and then you eventually work uh, on your body, your mind, and your skills to eventually be able to play. And combined with the volleyball, you also have schools and, of course, a, a social life as well. And um, actually, there is a Bulgarian in the, in the American uh, NCAA championship now, Radoslav Parapunov in the team Hawaii. Do you, uh, do you heard, uh, have you heard this name? Okay. Yeah, he's the best player right now in the NCAA, of course. Yeah, yeah. he's playing amazing. I and actually I... think uh, last year when I was in, I think it was Sofia, went for VNL. He was he was there as well. Yeah, so, in, uh, no, in uh, in Plovdiv, I believe it, it was the it yes, was the match. Yes. Yeah, in Plovdiv, yes. So I don't know much about him, but I know he has a big talent, and I heard he will continue one more year in Hawaii. That's a very, it's, it's very nice news to, to hear that, that he's, according to you, the, the best player in, uh, in, the, in the NCAA. Uh, you've graduated in Long Beach and then you started playing in Europe, in Finland. How is this, how has this happened actually exactly? And how did you make the connection? It's town called Teresio in southern Finland. Yeah, uh, so my first year out of college, I actually didn't have a contract. So I had to stay in the training center, and really there was nothing for me to do except to lift weights. And there was one other person I sat back and forth with. Later in the spring, we had a smaller training group, and so we were able to actually train. But how I got my first contract was through a friend. He had a contract um, the year before in Austria, and it was working with this team in Finland for a possible contract. And he decided that he was done with volleyball and wanted to have a real job. And so he pretty much gave me the contract. 
So without this friend's help, I wouldn't have had a contract. I still had to wait about three months for that team to hire a local middle. And once they did that, I was able to sign. And so uh, pretty much for my first four or five contracts, it was the first contract I was offered I took. There was really um, no thought. I just took any contract I could get. After Finland, you played in the Bahamas, Brazil, France, Poland and Germany on club level and in many places with the U.S. national team. You are like the Marco Polo volleyball. Which do you, play, which place did you like the most? Uh, it's funny. I've heard this from a lot of people. I don't know where Bahamas is. Is this on my Wikipedia page? Because a lot yeah, of people. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, I've never played in the Bahamas. <laughs> that's that's news. Is it on Wikipedia? Yes, it's on Wikipedia. Maybe I was not, uh, yeah. Long Beach. Ah, yes, yes, yes. So that, it says Bahamas, but it's supposed to be France. And so, that's so funny. Uh, yeah, I played in uh, Finland, France, Brazil, France, France, Poland, Germany, and Poland again. It's really, really, really crazy to see all these countries. Um, but yeah, every, every country, every season, has been a different experience, uh, a different challenge. And through those challenges, a, a lot of failures, a lot of setbacks. And uh, I just learned so much about myself and being in these different cultures. And I think one of the big surprises is just realizing how different people live. And there's not just one way to live in life and to learn as much as I can being in these countries. There have been some ideas about starting a professional volleyball league in the US. What do you think about such plans? And I read actually that a woman's one is about to start next year, right? We yeah. know that we know what are the most popular sports in America. So where is the place of volleyball in this mix? The place in volleyball is in Europe. <laughs> I don't think it's going <laughs> to happen anytime soon, unfortunately. There's always been talks about this. Um, USA Volleyball talked about having a league. Uh, It would have been this past year. Of course, that didn't happen. Um, there's been these Chinese investors that have been trying to start a league. And it was supposed to ramp up. And it's just never gone anywhere. And so I just don't think it will happen. You know, I wish it would. But um, players before me have had this question. And they were always very pessimistic. And I never understood why. Now I understand why. It, there's just no market for it. There, There isn't. You know, colleges, it works because... People go to the colleges, college games as a fan of the college, not necessarily a fan of volleyball. And I don't think we do a – it doesn't – it's not popular here, and we don't do a very good job of making it an event. Uh, it's pretty much only catered to people that like volleyball. And the thing is there's not a lot of people that love volleyball in America outside of maybe um, uh, younger women athlete and their families. Okay. Um, here's the inevitable question and sorry for that but the Polish league has been cancelled and you have been allowed to go back to the US normally but then your contract has been terminated because you didn't show up for a meeting which was of course objectively not able to attend that and mm -hmm. until when was the duration of your contract and did they justify their actions legally in some way it seems yeah I, I really still don't know much about it, but I had a contract until next year. 
And so I believe what my agent said was my, the reason for con cutting my contract was my services were not needed. And so, uh, now, I mean, we've, we've, we've tried to come back and speak with the club and now we have to take legal actions. I don't want to take legal actions because I want to go back to Caravise and earn my money. I want to earn my money. Um, but it seems that, uh, legally I will be entitled to my contract this year and next year. And so, um, it's really unfortunate because if we do go to the court, I don't want to take, I don't want to, you know, hurt this club because all of my friends are still there in a, in a perfect world. I could go back and just continue, uh, what my contract says. And I just don't know what will happen. It's, there's so much out of my control. And so I'm just trying to focus on everything I can do here, which is in my control. Actually, in my professional life, I'm a legal professional, not in this field, but I don't think that we don't need you as a legal cause to terminate the contract. <laughs> yeah. I, I've had a lot of uh, lawyers speak to me and they believe what you said as well. And so I don't know Polish law. I don't know Polish sports law. It seems that what they did violated the contract. And when you violate the contract in, in my contract, it states that they must uh, pay me all the contract. And so uh, again, this is something for my lawyer and agent. Uh, luckily I have the arguably the best agent in the world, for sure the best agent in Poland. And so he's been working relentlessly to uh, help restore the validity of my contract. Let's move on to something more practical. You have your own channel where you analyze different players and actions and give insight into volleyball. When and why did you decide to do this project? Yeah, so this is what I do just by myself. I, I watch a lot of video and sometimes on Instagram, I'll share some of the things I see and just in, for really good liberals, right? See what he's doing here, how he opens up his body, how he moves back, how he sets the ball over his back. And it seems that a lot of my followers who are also uh, volleyball athletes, usually younger athletes, really enjoy this type of uh, analytics. And so I started doing this and then I started, I just made a, a passing series. And so um, you have to, after we are done, I'll, I'll set up a promo code so you can get mine for free i'll give you one but um i created a course and it's just kind of seven days passing course and uh you can get it for free for those that are listening you can get it by email at noisybuckets.com and if you want to actually buy it you can get it at dustinwatton.com uh slash dot sorry dustinwatton.com dustinwatton.sales.com sorry and uh you can get the video series so it's we can like we can we can video. put it after that in the in the description of the of the of the perfect because yeah. what i said was very confusing yeah. Uh, but yeah so <laughs> i believe the best way to learn is through watching watching the best players in the world um, i always give the example when i was younger i used to watch basketball and when i was seven years old i'd watch kobe bryant when kobe bryant would go and do a fadeaway I would go out to the driveway the next day and I would do the same fadeaway. How did I know how to do this? My body, you know, you just learn it. There's a great book uh, called the inner game of tennis that talks about this in more, much more depth. 
but uh, this is the best way to learn. A lot of people don't have uh, access to the video that I have access to. And so I'm able to share the video from some of the best pastors, liberos in the world. And I talk about what I see. And I think this is a great way for people to learn, especially now during the quarantine. So, so if I get the idea right, sometimes your body knows what to do, even, even your uh, mentally is not, you're not that sure about it. Let's, let's give an example from, yeah. my, from, from my experience. Let's say that, for example, what I can compare it to is that I was learning German, so I was not sure mentally uh, in my mind how, how a given word should have been written but when i started to write it it happened so so my my hand knew it i wasn't sure about it but by my hand knew it is this something like this or yeah so it's pretty much this thought that the subconscious brain is much more powerful it's we're using it 95 percent of the time it could be something just like digestion your heart rate breathing how oxygen is moving throughout your body and also, you know, it goes along the lines that the subconscious brain is 40 million times more powerful than the conscious brain. So the conscious brain is like, I, like, I think I should do this and I do it, you know? And so just allowing the subconscious brain to take over. And in the book, they talk about the conscious brain is the self one, the subconscious is the self two. So the subconscious is like, uh, the teller, uh, and the subconscious, the self two is just the, the doer. It knows what to do. I have several more more questions about passing. If you need to cover another receiver, how do you find the balance between covering the other guy and covering your own area? Is it be, is it based mostly on reading the serve, on the stats you have uh, that they are serving predominantly at the weakest receiver or something else? Yeah. So I always like to study my receivers. I like to draw it out and just see usually what part of the core we can remove. So maybe he's all straight away to area five in the area one passer, whether it's me or someone else, we can step in, right? Maybe he can't hit area five. And so that step, that other passer will step in. And so this is an easy way to kind of make the court a little bit smaller. Maybe we just both step into the middle, right? And then for me as a libero, I don't have to go pipe or I don't have to attack an area four. And so I just make sure that no matter what, the ball in between me and another passer, I always go behind. So just in case that passer doesn't want it or he believes it's too far away from him, he lets it go. I make sure I'm always there behind him. And I think this is important for all barrels just to always go behind. Uh, if you see a short serve, okay, you can go behind, go in front, but I always want the receivers to take the ball in front because not only it will be much more easy and natural for them to approach after, but they have the first decision. If it's easy, they can take it and go. And if it's hard, maybe they just let it go and I'll be behind them. And if we go even more technical, if you're in, if you're in position one and there is a short serve in position five for the, for the outside hitter who is first throw, uh, should you get it or the other receiver should get it? Or it is depending on, on your understandings before the game? So I'm in, I'm in, row, I'm in position one? Position one, yes. And, and there's position and six? Is you have position six and, and in position five is the outside hitter who is first throw and should attack yeah. from first line. So if there is a short serve in position five, who should be principally uh, get it position by the... Five. Uh, in position five, yes. Yeah. Uh, because position can you, six... Can you, 
The decision just goes. Yeah. He he can't go pipe now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's no possibility for pipe. For me in position one, I I don't think I can go yeah, ten take the ball. Yeah. Maybe that, that's my question. Is is too is too uh, is too much of a distance to 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 take it for you from position. Only if if I'm in position six, maybe I yeah. can go and take it. But if you're in position five, you're probably going to be closer to the net already. And so the only player I've seen that has done something similar to this is Koga, the Japanese libero that played in Zaravuche this year, uh, who's very aggressive. And I think it's great. But sometimes if you're too aggressive. Now you give your, uh, your team a very difficult position to set from, where maybe if you're not as aggressive, the area five passer can pass it perfectly. Maybe he's going to have a difficult approach, but at least the setter now has better options. Did you have colleagues who didn't want to cover them in reception? Is it the coach's decision or it happens uh, to try to during a match without having that in mind in advance? It just to depends. Cover, cover. It depends. Uh, the coach's confidence in you. You know, I've had times where I've done this, where I move receivers in float serve. I've moved receivers in jump serve, uh, and the coaches are saying, "Okay, do it." I've had times where I've tried to do this, and the coaches are like, "No, don't do it." And so, I think you just have to have this trust with your your coach, or maybe as a libero, you just do it because the coach at the end of the day just wants a, a good result. Let's talk about receiving with four players. Do you do it more with the idea that the opposite would really help receiving or would you do it well just to give the server a different look, different perspective and to reduce the conflict zones? Yeah, I would say more so the second version. With the opposite coming in, I think it's something that should almost always be used because if the other server hits the ball, close to the line. Now he also has the, the chance of airing. Most of the time it's going to be a much softer serve. And now you're able to take 90% of the court with much more certainty. And these complex zones will be much more smaller. And so especially in Poland, you see almost uh, every team doing this with their opposite on a, on a big server. They'll bring in four. I believe that a lot of teams do it, not only in Poland, but also in the national teams, even, even Bulgaria with Svetan Sokov did it, I believe, uh, in this match against you in Plovdiv last year too. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. And I think for young opposites, they should always, you know, work on touching the ball because if you can do this or someone like Matt Anderson who can do this at a very high level, then it helps the team so much more. Yeah, we have, a, we have here in Bulgaria a very talented 17 years of age guy who is playing sometimes as an opposite, sometimes as a... As an outside hitter, and, and uh, one of the one of the Bulgarian volleyball legends says, so maybe he's going to be the Bulgarian Matthew Anderson. This would be a, a great goal to achieve. <laughs> yeah, very, uh, uh, yeah, it's a big objective. And uh, maybe last question: When you receive, do you try that your arms are always in front of your body? I believe when you receive a, um, a jump a jump hard serve and not besides it, besides it. And can you explain this technique and why it's harder to receive the other way your hands are outside of your body? You mean if I pass balls in my midline or if I pass yeah. balls out here? 
yeah in uh, in front of your in front of your body when you are receiving your hard serve so do you're doing just like this and you try to to receive the serve in front of uh, your chest always because yeah. if it's behind me now my yeah. hips are facing this way if i want to pass here i need to get the ball in front of me right mm. but the big thing and i talk about this in the passing course is we have to be very conscious of the space in between our arms and our body because what happens if I'm here, but I hit my body on impact, something has to move, and it's usually my hips. If my hips move, I lose my pass. Hips move here, I lose my pass. Then I have to do something with my elbows, my wrists, and it gets very complicated, and we're not able to really repeat this uh, technique often at a high level. But what we can repeat is a good, clean angle. And so we can pass in the middle or on the side, but I just have to have space in between my body here. And once I lose that space, now I lose the angle because my hips will open left or right. Okay, thank you, Dustin. And uh, it was a great, great pleasure for, for me to, to talk with you about, about volleyball. And thank you again that you accepted the invitation to be a guest in our podcast. Thank you, my brother. And now uh, I will create a promo code for you and I will pre create Thank a promo much. code for your audience as well to get it a uh, percentage off. Okay, so I, I, I will try to, to, to make it out with this podcast, maybe not until tomorrow, but, but until, maybe until, until Wednesday it should, be, it should be ready so I can, so I can publish it in the, in the channel. Thank you again. Cool. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye and have a nice day. Bye.